0: The Athletic.
1: Hello, welcome to 1874, a podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club for The Athletic. I'm Dan Bardell, joined as ever by The Athletic's Villa writer, Greg Evans. Unfortunately, a defeat to dissect, but some good news is that right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a very special price. Enjoy great analysis and in-depth features, including all Greg's stuff and all the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free podcasts for less than £1 a week. All you've got to do is go to theathletic.com slash villapod and you'll be able to sign up and enjoy all those benefits that I've just spoke about. Greg, it's good to see you. We're doing video today, aren't, aren't we? I'm gonna get it out of the way because you've already given me some dupe before we've started. It's the first time you've actually seen me for a while doing the podcast on video and you've some questions about my hair, I understand.
2: Yeah, it's good to see your face again, Dan. I, I almost recognise you. You you almost look back to normal. What what was the what was the decision behind it all?
1: Just looking to make a play for the the latest the Romania squad. To be honest, <laughs> remember in 1998 when they when they all dyed their hair blonde. If you can't try these things during lockdown when you can't do anything, Greg, then there's there's no other time to try them, is there? So I thought thought I'd have a change. Go for the I wanted the Sergio Aguero look, but it keeps going blonde. I can't seem to do anything about it, so we'll go with it and we'll probably, let's face it, I need a haircut, so it'll probably be coming off at some point. Just remind me of your age again. Uh That's a good question. I think I'm 35, I can't even remember. <laughs> we've well, we've all lost a year, haven't I, we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't even remember how old I am nowadays. That's how, that's how bad things have got. 35, older than you. Surprising, most people would be surprised to learn that.
2: I would. So imagine. that would be like the equivalent of Glenn Whelan dyeing his hair blonde if he had not I've got to be younger than Glenn Whelan, surely. Maybe you are now. As I say, we've all lost a year, haven't we? So.
1: Yeah, I, I know I'm older than Gabby, bit... which is frightening.
2: <laughs> to be fair, most of these old boys haven't got hair, have they? So at least you're doing all right in that respect.
1: Yeah, the hairline surviving, which is a, a good thing. And unfortunately, Villa didn't didn't survive last night, put under a lot of pressure by West Ham, who I've got to say, straight off the bat, give them a whole lot of credit. I thought they were very, very good, Greg, a
2: very accomplished side, West Ham. But Villa, second best throughout the game, never really got
1: going and ended
2: up losing 3-1. Yeah, quite a surprising performance, actually. I mean, looking back on it now, you probably think, well, that was going to happen at some point, wasn't it? Because of the fact that Villa had so many games in, in such a short space of time. Looking back on it, West Ham were by far the better team, I thought. You know, Villa second best throughout. thought Villa were a little bit wasteful in possession um, and just couldn't really get at West Ham. And West Ham pretty much did to Villa what Villa have been doing to other teams this season, haven't they? It was almost like a, a role reversal. You know, yeah. they they defended very well. They were very well organised at the back and then hit Villa on the counter-attack. And, um, you know, to, I, I, I usually look at Dean Smith's demeanour after the game to see, you know, sort of what, what he thinks and how bad the game was, how good the game was. And yesterday, it was probably, the you know, the most frustrated he'd, he's ever been in a press conference after. So, um, you know, clearly he was frustrated as well.
1: Yeah, we were well beaten, never really in the game. I mean, thank God there's no midweek games next, next next week because I think that's three Wednesdays in a row we've lost in the midweek on BT Sport. Yeah, on the yeah. Saturday-Sunday games, we, we seem to pick up and be able to pick up results, but midweek seems to be a complete no-go at the moment. People well, Twitter, social media, everyone's saying we needed to rotate. We we looked tired. <laughs> Dean Swift came out and said fatigue's nothing to do with it. We were just beaten by, by the better team. Where, where do you sit with all that stuff?
2: Yeah, I mean it's hard isn't it? It's easy to look back in hindsight and think well yeah that they they should have, you know, Smith should have rotated it but for me I think the whole, you know, rotation it, it doesn't always stand up for me, you know. I mean nah. what's to say that you bring two or three different players in and they still don't make a difference. You know, he, he did try it with Al it didn't work. Um, I think it was just one of those nights where pretty much everything seemed to go against Villa, didn't it? You know, the, the players that have performed really well this season even had a few slip-ups themselves. You know, I'm, th- I'm thinking of Martinez, who's been sensational this season. It, it wasn't really his night. Um, yeah. Jack Grealish, it didn't quite work for him. You know, Kufal. Um, stifled him for long periods. I didn't think Barclay or McGinn really got going as much as they have done in previous games or you know, earlier in the season. Just thought that it, on the whole, Villa just weren't quite at it. And I think the key now is, does Dean Smith make a change for, for the Arsenal game or a couple of changes? He certainly changed his system. It's not like he's just standing here you know, on the sidelines, idle, asking the players to do one thing and and sticking to it. You know, he's trying to mix things up as and when he sees it. It's just a case of it didn't work last night. You know, that he tried to put Villa on the front foot more than West Ham you know he, he wanted to get in behind those two holding midfielders but it actually happened that it turned out the other way around and 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 Lingard and Ben Rama and Antonio the three of those up front you know in the attacking areas I thought were fantastic and and they were the ones that caused the problems unfortunately yeah, as you were at the game from what I could tell I don't know whether this,
1: whether this is true it looked more like a 4-3-3 Last night it looked it looked like and it looked like McGinn had more of a license to get forward than Barkley, but he, I mean it's obviously it
2: didn't work because we lost three one. Was I seeing correctly? Well, yeah, yeah, I was noticing that slightly throughout the game. It did change, and then you know Smith came out afterwards and confirmed it. He said, "Look, yeah, I okay. changed the system." He said he put Louise as the holding midfielder, and then you know two others in a more advanced role. Where you know I spoke to John McGinn a couple of weeks ago, and he says that his role changes game to game. He says sometimes I master players a number eight. Sometimes I'm asked to play as a number six. Um, and clearly last night, you know, he was asked to play in that more advanced position and it didn't quite work, really. It felt like Villa got no. overloaded in the midfield and they they almost lost that midfield battle, which we haven't said too many times this season. So, yeah, it was just a bad night, one that didn't really work for them and it's just how they bounce back now.
1: That feels a really strange thing to do because in the main, we've played four-two-three-one, and I would say that's worked very, very well. I don't... I don't have Barkley down as an eight. I thought he was off last night. I think he looked like the games were catching up with him. He's obviously, he's come back from an injury as well. I just think we look better with 4-2-3-1 and it just didn't look right at any point last night. To try that 4-3-3 against West Ham, I can kind of see why. I don't think Barkley's the right player for 4-3-3. I think he's better when he's closer to Watkins.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's, that showed, hasn't it, in games that have passed by. Um, I think Smith just felt like there was, you know, a chance to get in behind Rice and, and Suchek and, and, and cause some havoc in there. But the way I looked at West Ham, they were so well organised, you know, they, they really stuck to their shape and and stuck to their tasks. And they, they just won the little individual battles, you know, like yeah. Kufa. Kufa was the main one, wasn't he? You know, he did a job on Grealish for large periods of the game, they, they doubled up on him with with Fredericks also there who came in. Um, and it just felt like West Ham with their fresh legs, Lingard and, and Fredericks, who just added a bit more pace and a bit more dynamism going forward, um, proved to be the difference really. And it, it's a strange old season, isn't it? Because we're seeing, got Villa have lost four games in the last six now. So it's, it's almost taken the gloss off a you know really nice start. But what we're seeing is Villa winning one week, losing the next week. And it's the same with a lot of other teams, isn't it? You know, Liverpool have, have lost to yeah. the champions and, and they've lost to, to teams you wouldn't expect them to lose to. Man United lost to Sheffield United a couple of weeks ago. Tottenham seem to be on a little bit of a stuttering run at the moment. Arsenal have had their own problems this season. So it feels like there's still plenty of opportunities to finish you know, the second half of the season on a high and and, and end in a decent position still. Um, I just think we're going to have to accept that there are going to be setbacks along the way. And it, it's just frustrating, isn't it, Dan, when they come?
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at the league, though, as an entirety, like you've just said, and Manchester City are the only team that are consistent at the moment. They're the only team that aren't really losing games. Even Man who were doing really well and having, having a good season, obviously lost at home to Sheffield United the other day. There's no shame in losing to West Ham because I actually think now they're going to be pretty close to the, to the top six. I think they're a good outfit going forward. And like you've said, I think they're very, very solid at the back. They're tough to break down. They've got a good defence. And then the two that sit in front of them, Suchek and Rice, are very good footballers and very good defensively. And Suchek, good going forward as well. So it's always going to be a a tough game. Lingard came in and from minute one, really, he was picking up little pockets of space and he he caused us problems, didn't he? We, We never really lived with Jesse Lingard. I mean, for someone who hasn't played football for a very long
2: time, that freshness actually seemed like a benefit, didn't it? Yeah, it was it was interesting, really, because I, I didn't expect him to to look so sharp and and so quick. He, he looked really fit, um, considering he hasn't played for you know a good few months at, at Man United, hasn't he? I think he only made one start this season. Is, is that right? Or one appearance? Yeah, he was probably in the cup as well. Yeah, so you know, fair play to him for coming in and and making a difference because you know he, he certainly did that. And Moyes said after the game, he said that he needed to freshen things up in in his attacking areas. He said that he felt they were a little bit lighter. They obviously lost air haven't they, to, to Ajax? Um, so they're in a similar situation to Villa where they haven't really got an experienced backup striker on the bench. But he just felt that they needed another attacker in, in, in the final few days of the window. And, you know, he came in and, and really did a good job. I mean, we might see that at Villa with Morgan Sanson in, in, in future weeks. You know, he might bring that that fresh impetus and those fresh legs. I mean, up. Oh, Probably expect him to play on on Saturday now and give him a go, wouldn't you? After yeah, I after watching so. for the last couple of games and just felt like that was one game too many for Villa in, in in a run of of games. You know that they were starting to look like they were on their last legs against Southampton, but somehow you know managed to hold on despite um, you know a late siege, a late onslaught on their on their goal. But yeah, the West Ham game unfortunately just exposed a, a little bit of tiredness, I think, in the team.
1: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com
2: courtside to learn more.
0: Hi, I'm James McNicholas, and I'm here to tell you about the latest series of Beyond the Headline, the making of of Big Sam. If I did anything wrong, why did they pay me off? You see, Sam Allardyce seemingly can't quit English football, and English football can't quit him. But why? Why does football keep coming back to Sam Allardyce? To answer those questions and many more, you'll hear from former Hull City manager Phil Brown. He didn't mind having the crack, he didn't mind having the banter, but he would he would prove his way was the right way. Dundee United manager Mickey Mellon. I signed for Sam Allardyce, really. And of course, Father Joe Young. Owner of Limerick FC, where the Big Sam story began.
1: Now I said, "Sam, this is the ultimate goal. Now I'll show you what we have." Then <laughs> I brought him up, and he said, "Jesus, Father Joe, are you serious?" I said, "Look, nothing is impossible to those who believe."
0: You'll learn about his time in America at the Tampa Bay Rowdies, the way he revolutionised English football, and, of course, the England debacle. You can hear it all now and ad-free via the Athletic app. Just search for Beyond the Headline now. I think one thing that makes this podcast a bit
1: different is that you actually do get to go and speak to Dean Smith after the games. Did, did he say anything about Jack? And obviously they they did a job on Jack. He was still one of our most influential players in, in the game. He didn't have a bad game by any stretch of the imagination. But it's fair to say he was stifled with, with the two fullbacks essentially playing against him. I personally, in my personal opinion, I think it took too long to move Jack to the, to the number 10. I think out on the left it wasn't working and I think he should have been moved to the 10 earlier and I don't think Barkley was having a great day. I think we took too long to do that. Did, did he say anything about Jack and, and how they lined up yeah.
2: against Yeah, yeah. So we asked him about Jack. Obviously, you know, he wasn't quite at his best, was he, for the first 60 minutes? You know, out on the left he, he didn't really get much get much joy because Fredericks and, and, and Kufa were, were both on to him. Um I think when you've got somebody as good as, as Jack, we all expect him to somehow find a way through, don't we? And, you know, yeah. there were, there were a couple of occasions where I think it was one occasion where Barkley smashed the ball into him, you know, it was way too hard anyway, but, you know, you just expected him to take it down, didn't yeah. you still? And yeah. he, he, he missed, you know, he couldn't, couldn't get it down. And I mean, that's the standards that he set, you know, that's how, um, you know, that's, that's how good of a player he is now. We expect him to do everything right. Um, I'm not so sure whether it did take too long because look, you know, Smith made a change at half time, didn't he? Felt that Al who probably did deserve his chance having, you know, played really well at the back end of December and, and kind of lost the momentum going into January by losing his place. It felt like he deserved a chance. He had 45 minutes, didn't really do what, you know, Smith would expect him to do and Traore then came on and I thought Villa started the first, the second half quite well. Thought that they were the better team but then it just started to to fall apart and yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think it. I don't think it took him too long because I think the way Grealish has performed on the left so far this season, you just expected him to to come good at some point anyway. And, and to be fair, he did come good in the game, didn't he? Albeit moving into to the middle, you know, he he got another assist. He, he almost set up another one for Watkins. And Gareth Southgate was in the stands watching. So I think still he would have been impressed with him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, but for me, as soon as we moved him, he got he, he got an assist and we looked like we, mm. we, we might score a goal. So from that point of view, you could say, yeah, it did take too long. And I felt a bit sorry for our guys because he came into a team that didn't play well in the first half. He's obviously the one who's been sacrificed, but I actually really thought that we missed Traore in that first half. I think for all the talk of rotation and fresh legs, like you say, we changed that and it, it didn't really work. Traore, he moves the ball quickly. And I think that's something that we missed. He plays quick one twos. He's, he's always on the move, and I, I really thought we were a bit static in that first half. And Troy Aller is someone who, who's always on the move. You, you'd think he's probably going to come back in on Saturday, wouldn't you?
2: Yeah, possibly. Or you know, there might be a call to bring Trezeguet back in. You know, if you if you think back to the start of the season, he mm. he, he he was performing very well, and you know he was a big part of of how. Villa were playing and, and, and how they were pressing opponents and winning the ball back in dangerous areas and then obviously going on to win games so I think the right midfield position is quite strong isn't it because you've got, it's you've got the strongest three, area I think yeah you know you, you've got three options there so yeah I mean it's one of the three maybe I, I think it'd be too, too difficult to call at the moment the goals all felt avoidable didn't they? I think I suppose that's the annoying
1: thing we all hold our hands up and say West Ham with a with a better side, but the three goals from a Villa defensive perspective were poor. I mean, Emi Martinez is the first iffy game he's had. It's the fir- it's the first time I've looked at a goal, a couple of goals that we've conceded and thought, "Hmm, I, th- I think he should have saved that," which is a shame, really, because in half the games he's played, he's kept clean sheets, which is incredible. But unfortunately, last night, in a day where nothing really went great for Villa, anyway. He's probably he'll probably be feeling he should have done better with a couple of the goals.
2: Yeah, look, I, I expect he'll be be looking through his clips today, you know, very disappointed, and that will be the first time this season that he's that he's had to face such disappointment because, you know, for me, he's been Villa's best player. You know, by far, he, he would be the the player of the season if if there was um, a vote to be cast right now. I think he's been excellent. I mean, when you look back through all of his saves, he, he saved Villa so many points. And look, you know, even with his errors, I, I still think Villa would have lost the game last night. It, it just wasn't meant to be for them. So, yeah, di- a disappointing night for Martinez. But, you know, it shows that he's human almost after all, isn't yeah. it? Because, I mean, you know, in previous podcasts we've done, we, we, we've debated whether he's the best goalkeeper in the world right now. And, you know, that there the really aren't many to challenge him, are there, in, in the form that he showed this season? So he'll bounce back. He showed that he's an excellent goalkeeper and, you know, he's almost earned that that mistake hasn't he with, with all of the exceptional saves he's made previously
1: in some ways him having that off night on a day when we were bad anyway I kind of feel like I'm glad it was then rather than a game that was in the balance yeah, and, sure. and close where we we're, <coughs> were playing really well and he, and he chucks one in but yes yeah, su- surprising just because he has been so consistent through the whole season Watkins scoring again is a positive isn't it I thought he was our best player probably Last night, in the grand scheme of things, I know a couple of the goals came from him, kind of like lo- losing the ball in some ways. But he
2: never gave up. I thought he still looked lively, and he didn't really get much service, did he? No. And look, you know, again, Dan, on, a, on another day, he might have had a hat trick. mightn't he missed mm. a missed a good header, uh, hit the post with another chance. Yeah. That was then great. also had also yeah, you know, and also had the chance after he scored. I, I like the way he never gives up. Yeah, there were a couple of probably bad touches that that. You know, led to the goals, but uh, I wouldn't specifically pin the goals on him because you know it's it's a team effort, isn't it? And the way Villa were exposed for the second goal, I think it was three on three on two at one point. You know, and scary, yeah. Yeah, Dean Smith came out after and said, "Look, that doesn't. you, You don't even play like that and leave two on three in Sunday League football." You know, that's how disappointed he was with that. So look. there were were a lot of errors throughout the game and um, I don't want to criticise Villa too much because they've been exceptional this season, but that was one of the games where it just felt like everything compounded and, you know, they just just sort of lost the focus a little bit. But for Watkins, you know, it's another goal. I think that's three and four, isn't it? He seems to get chances almost every game. Gareth Southgate was there watching last night and again, he probably would have been impressed with him because although I think it would be a long shot for him to get into the England squad. I think the way he plays and his style probably suits the way England want to play, don't they? You know, the way yeah. he sets the tempo, He he's always closing down, you know, the goalkeeper or, or the defenders. He presses well and, and efficiently. And I think that's what Southgate likes. And if he keeps scoring goals, he, won't, he can't be uh, ignored forever, I don't think. So, yeah, you know, a, a little bit of a plus for him getting another goal, but he'll be disappointed like the rest of them.
1: Yeah, I think he's a, f- a phenomenal player. He's someone I, I really enjoy watching, and someone I've, I've grown to love as the season goes on. Do you think Villa? I mean, they won't play against a team like West Ham every week. A very physical, side, very, very good at, at what they do. But do you think there is a case that Villa lack a bit of physicality in in their game? We've kind of looked a little bit lightweight in some ways last night.
2: Yeah, I mean, to an extent, if we're if we're you know really picking the team apart, I suppose they're quite a, sh- a short team, aren't they? If you take mm-hmm. out. Mings and Conza and, and I suppose Cash, Cash is quite athletic, isn't he? So he makes up with his shortness, so to speak. I mean, he's, like, he's a medium-sized player, isn't he? But, I think um, he's taller than you, Greg. Yeah, he probably is, yes. Yeah. So, he's definitely not short. That was the wrong word. But yeah, I mean, look, if you look at the midfield, I suppose, you know, McGinn, Louise, Trezeguet, and he plays Watkins, they're, they're relatively short side, aren't they? You know, they're, they're certainly not tall. And I think the one area maybe Villa do need to, to strengthen is somebody who could... You know, you know that destroyer type in the midfield, but look, you know, I think they've made made great strides in in transforming the squad and, and rebuilding it. There's really not that much wrong with it, and, and you can't completely transform a squad, can you, in just a couple of windows? So that'll be something they'll probably be looking at in the next window. Because if you think back to the start of the season, the criticism or you know the the weakness that that we were highlighting and, and many others was that Villa had a lack of pace, wasn't it? You know, yeah, definitely. and. And, and look, they've addressed that now, so they can't just keep, you know, buying players if, uh, and, and trying to fix everything. It's it's a work in progress. So, um, yeah, there, there are going to be games where they come up against tall sides and, and, and possibly get out battled. But I think they've got enough quality to um, cause some of their own problems as well.
1: I'm not saying he's going to come in and be the midfield destroyer because I don't think that's his game at all. Although I do think he's, a, he's an all-round midfielder. But what did what was Sanson's presence like when he, when he came on the pitch? He, he looked quite big. I don't know whether I was saying things on the TV, but in the flesh,
2: what did he look like? Yeah, he looked like, you know, he, he wanted to get on the ball and, and pass it and, you know, move it quickly and efficiently. I thought he did that. I think he misplaced one of his passes in, um, you know, in the 10, 15 minutes. But it's going to take a little bit of time for him. You know, there, there was a, a barking order from uh, Mings to for him to mark, I think, uh, I think it might have been Suchek at, at one of the corners and just noticed how he, how he lost him at, at the corner and, Mings was able to recover, so you know they're there going to be little things like that where he needs to know, you know, how to listen to the orders from his teammates, how how they set up at uh, set pieces and stuff. That that's going to take a little bit of time because you know, the players that are there now have been together for a while now, haven't they? And you know they've been able to work on things together, so. Sanson coming in. He, he's going to take a. He's going to need that little bit of time just to settle in. But I thought it was an all right debut. Um, yes, yeah, but there's, but there's you know plenty more to come.
1: Yeah, he's only on for ten minutes, and obviously in the time he came on the pitch, we scored a goal. He, he looked mm. hungry for the ball. Looked like when he was picking up the ball, he put himself in good positions in space. So he's one to keep an eye on, and someone who might end up starting against Arsenal at, at the weekend. Before we go on to the Arsenal game and, and have a little look at that, should we just talk a little bit about the uh, quiz you've got coming up, Greg, on the 18th of February?
2: Yeah, so um, yeah, we're we're running quizzes all through February for prostate cancer to to, to raise some funds for prostate cancer. Obviously, uh, lo- lots of people have joined up already. I'm really really looking forward to it. Actually, yeah, I've said last week that you know we completed the questions and the questions are quite tough. And I think even you'll struggle, Dan. So no, no, um, no. <laughs> We're looking forward to it, and there's some nice prizes up for up for grabs as well, and you know the chance to to go into the grand final against. Um, the winners from other clubs and then win a nice big grand prize as well. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. It'll be, it'll be nice for some of the subscribers to come and join the Zoom call and we'll get some drinks on as well, I suppose, because it's uh, it's going to be a night thing and, you know, we're all bored in lockdown, so alcohol saves us all a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it'd be good to see some of the subscribers, as you say. As I
1: said last week, the, the comment section underneath your articles is is one of the best ones. I'd say if you, if you go through the article, because I read I read a lot on The Athletic, I'd say the comments in for the Villa... A bit, so, so very switched on and quite mature is not the right yeah. word, but but you know, but you know what I mean. Sending very consider, yeah. Yeah, very yeah, considered, yeah, considered in there, yeah. so yeah, it'd be good. Obviously, I need to sign up myself because I've I've not done that yet. You haven't told me about the sign up, so I need to need to make sure I go and get that done. Let's look at the Arsenal game. Then I mean, fairly good time to play Arsenal, Greg. And actually, I think it's a better game for us than than West Ham. I think it'll suit us in many ways and the chance to do the double over the Gunners.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if you if you can beat Arsenal twice in a season, you're doing something right, aren't you? Because, you know, despite their difficulties this season, they they are still classed as probably an elite team, aren't they? You know, they're yeah. they're always up there. Um got got world class players in their squad and yeah, yeah, I think it'd be be a good be a good day for Emi Martinez because the you know the focus will be on him again. No Leno in goal for Arsenal because he was sent off last week. Um, absolute comedy that was. Yeah, it's amazing isn't it, you know how how things turn around, you know, because in 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 another world Martinez would be starting for Arsenal <laughs> against Villa now, but instead it's the other way around. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a good time to play them. I mean, have you been watching them much, Dan? Because the, the last few games I've, I've missed, actually. Arsenal. Yeah, they picked up. I think they were,
1: I mean, I don't think Wolves are any great shakes at the moment anyway, but they were on top in that game until the Louise sending off. They were popping the ball around nicely. I think Saka is on really good form. I thought he looked pretty lively the other night against Wolves before the sending off. I think, like Villa, they're one of those teams for, for a few weeks, they'll look excellent and then they, they might mm. lose a couple of games. But I think they're the kind of opposition at this Villa side thrive on it's nice if they're going to come to Villa Park and, and sit back I think there'll be space for us to, to utilize and break like we did at their place earlier on in the season I, f- I think it's a good time to play it could be renarsen in goal who looks a bit shaky it depends whether Matt Ryan yeah. recovers from his injury or not Louise has actually been performing quite well for Arsenal so him being suspended is probably a little blow I know I know they've appealed it I'm not sure I'm not sure they'll get away with it because it was the letter of the law so I think they're the kind of opposition that suit Villa more so than playing a team like West Ham, to be honest, Greg.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think if you look back at the game at the Emirates, it's probably, I think that was Villa's most complete performance of the season. I think, you know, OK, the 7-2 win over Liverpool was was brilliant, you know, and, and will be talked about for many years to come. But I think everything went right at Arsenal, didn't it? They really, um, you know, that it was a really professional job and, and packed with a lot of quality as well. So, yeah, it's which one I'm looking forward to because... Villa seems to have a little bit of a hold over Arsenal as well, don't they? In recent years, you know they've, they've, they've 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 performed well and and picked up decent results. None more important than, than that one at the back end of last season at home when, you know, if they didn't win that, they, they wouldn't be in the Premier League right now. So let's hope there's a repeat of that, mate. Do you think there'll be a
1: reaction? Because against Southampton, to be fair, after they lost to Burnley, there was that reaction and they were a bit more considered defensively, putting a really astute performance, got the goal and won ugly to an
2: extent. Do, do you think there'll be a reaction again? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, this is what I love about this new Villa side is that they always seem to fight back and they always seem to have something in reply, you know. When when people start criticising them, they come back with, and, and win a game or, or prove everybody wrong. And as you say, yeah, the Southampton game was a real eye-opener for me. I thought they went back to basics. They tried to, you know, it was that insatiable desire just to keep the ball out the net, you know. They were, they were desperate not to concede. And um, I think having lost again, Last night, they'll want to make amends for that. And that's the biggest difference with this Villa side. They don't dwell on a defeat like last year. They they managed to, to find a way to, um, you know, to pick themselves up. And yeah, I think there might be changes. Uh, you know, I, I don't, as I say, as I said earlier, I don't expect there to be, you know, widespread changes but no. I just think a couple of fresh legs might might make a difference maybe Sanson in the middle maybe even a, a game for the you know I thought he did well the last time he came in is it a game where Davis is used a little bit more I mean maybe Villa can go with two up top at, at, at some stage in the game and, and see how that makes a difference
1: yeah I thought he might get on last night actually against uh a- the more physical side of West Ham, but, but but it never happened. It doesn't seem to be getting much football at all at the moment. And January has passed without Villa getting a striker in, but it, it is what it is. I think as Villa fans, there is not a lot to complain about at the moment. And if you are moaning, I think you really need to get some some form of <laughs> reality check, to, to be honest, because where we are is, is incredible and there's still plenty of time and plenty to play for. Let's do the top five then, Greg. We've moved it to a top five this week because I could I had to pick more than three. Three was a, was a <laughs> struggle in you. We've gone with shirts, haven't we? Yep.
2: well, you're the master with this one, mate. You've got them all, so uh, I'll, I'll hand it. I'll hand it over to you. <laughs>
1: yeah, there, I mean, <laughs> I, can, there is I can some, sit, uh,
2: watch, and laugh. Yeah, I mean, there is some that I would have picked that I
1: don't have. To, to be honest, so I've gone. I picked five from the ones that I do have. So I've got, a sh- but most shirts, but pretty much every shirt from every season since I've had a season ticket. So since nineteen ninety three, and, and I've got a few classics as well. So I've got. I've gone with a mix. Some of these you might say aren't the best shirts, but to me, they're the, the most iconic ones. So. The first one we've got the 1982 home shirt. This one says champion. Good shout!
2: Good shout! <laughs> yeah, Give that you that pop. one. So this,
1: this is an original. It's in it's, it's pretty decent. Nick, I was quite lucky to pick this up. To be fair, so I've got I've gone with that one because it's a a beautiful shirt and what I would say proper claret and it, it's
2: iconic. No names, so, no names on the uh, back. No, no, no. not on
1: this old one. I don't know whether you could get names and numbers on the back in in mm. those days. To be honest, Greg, I'm not, I'm not sure. So yeah, that's the first pick. I, I will say this is in no particular order. To be honest, because I know I got five of these shirts. Next up, the Muller Green shirt, 93 to, to 95. I mean, realistically, it's a very ugly shirt, isn't it? It's not the best shirt in the it's world. It's Marmite,
2: the- Do you know, it's Marmite because I did I, I did I actually did a whole story on this for the athletic last last year because Villa, Villa sort of re brought it back again, didn't they? It's their third kid yeah. last year. So i spoke to almost every player who played in it and some loved it and some hated it. And yeah. you know, I think it was Tony Daly who said it's Marmite, you know, he, he happened to be one that liked it. Uh, it's just Guy iconic, Ritt- I think. Whittingham didn't, you know, <laughs> it's just yeah. different for different people. Certainly that's the know. best way to describe it, any iconic.
1: Yeah. I, I like the Muller sponsor as well. I don't know why. I mean, this was, the, that was the first season. I had a season ticket. So obviously I've got memories from, from that kind of thing of those shirts being worn. The next one, I don't think many people would pick, but it's just a shirt I really like. It goes against tradition. Uh, mm. the 99-2000 striped shirt LDV vans but I just really like it Boateng on the back we got to the FA Cup final. It reminds me of John Gregory and Ian Taylor, who are obviously my two heroes growing up. So I think that's why it resonates with me
2: a little bit. But I don't think many other people would choose that. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. Well, it's just people's individual thoughts, isn't it? You know, yeah. that's what makes kits so you know unique because some people love them, so some people hate them. So it's, uh, it's just something that, as you say, if it resonates with you, then totally get that, mate.
1: Next one, the Luke one from the promotion season, the the Luke home shirt. This is John McGinn's actual shirt. So it's signed on the back. He wore it in one of the games. But again, just an iconic shirt, Greg. That's a good one to get. How did you manage to get that one? Is that a close link at the club or
2: a a secret friend of Guinness?
1: No, someone someone from Villa was very kind to me and knew I collected shirts and said he had this and and gave it to me because he knew I collected them, so I was very, very grateful to receive that. It's a nice memento. I will get that one framed because I'm never going to wear it. What a great
2: shirt! A to have. To have, you know, th- that yeah. was from the playoff final, was it? That one? It's not from the playoff final, but it was oh, from Oh, just season.
1: from the season. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah but he, yeah. He, obviously he scored the winner in the playoff final, and we, and exactly, we got promoted, yeah. so it's a it's a nice little memento to have. But everyone loves the Luke shirts as well. Did you speak mm. to Luke a few like maybe a few months ago, and they were talking about? re-releasing them because they just did so well and they go for hundreds and hundreds on eBay now these shirts. So he was talking about doing another run of them and getting them out in the next year or so. That there's a certain amount of time that has to pass before you're allowed to do it apparently. And it'd be oh, classed yeah. as retro, but they're looking at doing it for sure when I when I spoke to Luke,
2: which is quite interesting. Mm, it's quite an a lass. lucrative market now, isn't it? You know, we'll be shirt selling you see see yeah. so much. I remember doing a story with a couple of shirt collectors uh yeah, really interesting but seems to be growing in popularity doesn't it?
1: I mean I I love it I mean I go through phases I won't buy one for months and then I'll just be on eBay every five seconds buying one but I'm (laughs) close to completion now so obviously it's slowed down but the ones I need or just be mega books because they're rare third shirts yeah. that like you can't yeah. get anywhere. So it's an expensive hobby, let's put it that way. I'll just put this last one on there.
2: Oh, he's going that's for the, best. the Bozzy that's, one it's again. The best. It's the best oh, we knew this one was coming. This was it's the one the that you wore when we did the interview with Bosnich, wasn't it? And that's why he loves you so much now. No, he loves me anyway. Because I'm my football view, my football viewpoints are so considered, Greg. <laughs> like, so many good footballing it, So so Dan, it was nothing to do with the fact that, oh Mark, I'm wearing your shirt at the moment. No, it's just
1: a, I mean, look what that's done to my hair. I'm struggling with my hair anyway. I've been made to put the top on.
2: But yeah, this it's is the a, best one. It's a quality
1: shirt, and it? Let's be honest. This is, the be- this is the best one. This one's got Bosnich on the back as well. <laughs> it's just a, it's just, I'd love to have all these goalkeeper tops from, from that era, but they're impossible to get. But this was just a, he was again, another hero growing up. It's just such an iconic shirt. I mean, I've said iconic about all the shirts so far, but this one re- really is, isn't it, Craig? the goalkeeper shirt. Yeah, it's, one, it's just
2: one that everyone remembers, isn't it? You know, everyone just remembers it. You know, even neutral fans who watch the Premier League, they'll remember Bosnich in that. And it's it's just a classic shirt, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's my favourite shirt, I think. Which is weird for a goalkeeper shirt to be your favourite shirt. But it, again, I had it as a kid. Just absolutely loved diving around and playing football in it. It was just pretending to be Mark Bosnich. It's just, I love that shirt. And I'm sure most Villa fans who were of my age, had this shirt growing up and loved pretending to be
2: Mark Bosnich. <laughs> definitely. Well, you've done well, mate. You've redeemed you yourself happy after a cu- couple of disappointing weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, week was okay. You know, our new shirts would be your uh,
1: right up your street. Yeah, unfortunately, I've had to pull them all out of the drawers that they're in, so there's about 100 shirts just sat on our spare bed at the moment. The wife wasn't very happy last night when, when she saw that, but that does us for this week's episode of 1874. We'll be back at some point next week. No midweek game.
2: Next week, Greg, which is, is a rarity nowadays, isn't it? A chance to have a rest for you. Yeah, good, good, good for me to be honest. I've had a couple of away games in in a row, so nice to get a bit of a break. And I think the players need it as well. It seems like you know they need to rest and recuperate a little bit. Greg and myself
1: will be back next week. Anything coming up just before we just before we shoot, Greg? Any articles coming up that
2: you can tell us about? Might be a special one if I get a little bit lucky over the weekend, but um, I'll 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 let you know.
1: You make your own luck, Greg. So try try and make that happen. We we all want something nice to read. Thanks for joining me. Thanks everyone for listening and watching some of this as well because some of it's been done on video. Have a good weekend. Up the villa.
0: The Athletic.